Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Philippians 4 and 10, we're going to continue in the epistle to the Philippians this week, and uh, we're going to dig in, and by the end of July, you're going to know a lot about the book of uh, Philippians. Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit, and he said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Again, the strongest tradition state that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote this while he was incarcerated in Rome. We can't be sure 100%, you know, whether he was actually in the uh, maritime prison or he was under house arrest at this time, but right certainly before he was uh, killed, uh, he did uh, spend quite a bit of time at maritime prison. We're not 100% sure, but once again, he is not under pleasant circumstances. It's a very, very difficult period in his life, and he's very close to death. But we still see in this letter, Paul is still rejoicing. You see, this life is not a dead end for anyone. All it is is a hallway to what's next. As good or as bad as today happens to be for you, it's only a part of the journey, but it's not the end of the journey. That's why we don't give up hope, because the sun rises yet another day. You hear what I'm saying? We are not where we're going yet. We're just in process. Sometimes the journey gets difficult, but we can't put a period where God only puts a comma. So the Apostle Paul rejoiced, the Bible says, greatly. But he also says here, and this is important, he rejoiced in who? The Lord. Now, circumstances are up and down, but the Lord never changes. And if he's with you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You always have reason to rejoice no matter what's happening in your life, whether you're in prison, whether you're in house, house arrest, whether there's an ankle around your, your, your bracelets, uh, around your, your ankle, forgive me. Paul did not allow his circumstance to swallow him whole. It says this, but I rejoice in the Lord, watch this, greatly, or in a mega, literally, the term is an omega way. Now, Paul didn't just smile because of uh, the report and the blessing he received from the Philippians. I, I think he probably wept. He probably broke into tears. He probably began to lift his hand and, and worship God in, in that moment. But I want you to watch the reason that this great apostle rejoiced. So I rejoice in the Lord greatly now, that now, at last your care for me has flourished again. With all that was going on in Paul's life, he still cared about people. It's so easy when we're dealing with difficult circumstances, a level of isolation to get all wrapped up in ourselves. But, you know, it's wonderful to love people, but when they love you back, it's priceless. And this was a moment where the Apostle Paul received, you know, the, the, the love of the Philippians, and he, he recognized that it was real and how much they cared for him. He said, your care has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked an opportunity. Now, the challenge is, you know, we're thousands of years removed. We don't live in this area. We don't really know the distance between, you know, Rome and, and Philippi here, but the reality is Philippi was about 800 miles away. It was about a seven-week journey. Actually, Epaphroditus got ill on his journey, include actually getting in a ship. So this was a very, very serious uh, journey, but from day one, the Philippians, though he was incarcerated, though some people were making fun of Paul, saying, well, if you were a man of God, this would not have happened in your life, but the Philippian church was not like that. And uh, from day one, again, they were pulling for the apostle Paul. And in this day, 
they didn't have telephones, they didn't have, uh, you know, Zoom calls, emails, or texts. And, you know, sometimes when you're in a jail somewhat isolated, your imagination can start to play tricks with you. So, you know, uh, Apostle Paul probably had some moments where he had to really deal with his imagination, wondering if he still mattered to anybody. Do people still care about me? And, and it's amazing how, you know, some people tell you that they, they love you so much, but will replace you so quickly. And uh, this is just a reality with many humans. And the Apostle Paul was in jail, and, and, and he wondered at times. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned something. Some lessons can only be learned through experience. And I, I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. But the reality is some things I don't just learn from reading is really when I go through that experience and carry that word into that experience that I really learn my greatest lessons. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So what, no matter what happened to him on the outside, he learned to be okay on the inside. Um, you know, you, you got to learn to be happy with yourself because the reality is you're the only definite company you're going to have in life. Other folks may leave you outside of God. You are stuck with you. And if you're not okay with you, you are going to experience some trouble. Verse 12, for I know, so I've learned the secret. And actually, he's passing on this secret to us. Now, you know, a lot of folks just read this kind of, you know, just kind of go on to the next verse. But if you want to tap into a secret that made the Apostle Paul what the Apostle Paul was uh, in his life and able to handle the circumstances that he handled. You need to learn and really catch what he's saying today. For I know, literally, I've learned the secret how to be abased, and I know or learn the secret how to abound. He's saying, I know how to get by on much. I know how to get by on little. I know how to handle it when everyone likes me. I know how to handle it when everyone dislikes me. I like uh, a. Abe Lincoln's realization. By the way, he had a problem with depression, and, and a lot of great leaders actually have had a similar problem. This may surprise you, but Dr. King had, had great challenges with depression. Spurgeon, who was one of the greatest preachers in, in human history, I mean, the guy is incredible. He also had problems with depression. But Lincoln said this. He said, most people are as happy as they make up their minds to be. And that's just the truth. Uh, you know, your happiness, uh, that joy on the inside is, is not really attached to the things on the outside of you as much as the choices you make in your life. He said everywhere, and we see this in the Apostle Paul, he made a choice no matter what, no matter what's in this prison, no matter how isolated I may feel, no matter, you know, the, the fact that I'm, I'm facing imminent death, I've made a choice to be happy. And this is what we must do. Despite the news, despite all that's happening around us, we must make the choice. You know what? As for me and my house, we're going to rejoice in the Lord. We are going to be happy. I'm not talking about being super spiritual. I'm not talking about plashing your face with a, sm a fake smile. But I'm talking about a decision that, you know what? I'm not going to let this get me down. You know what? This is my life. I'm going to live in it. I'm making a choice in this situation. And I choose to make the best of it and the most of it. And nobody's going to feel sorry for me anyway, so I might as well enjoy this particular moment. He said, everywhere and in all things, I have what? Learned. You keep seeing this word, learned, because contentment doesn't come natural to humans. 
Um, you know, yeah, yeah, I wish I was a, a, a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I, I wish I, I had a girl look good, I'd call her. You know, we, we always wish we had a little bit more. We always wish that, that we were just a little bit better. You know, we, we always wish we had what that guy, you know, ha has down the street. That's just the way we are. So it's something we must learn and we must allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul is saying, and, and you know, those of us that have this concept of Christianity where, you know, everything always has to be hunky-dory, uh, this is not, that's not in the Bible. You're going to face stuff, deal with stuff, and don't let the devil condemn you uh, when you're facing a challenge because we all go through challenges and we see this over and over and over and over and over and over again. The Bible actually says, and we talked about this some months ago, the Bible talks about the shield of faith and it says it quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. Now, if that scripture was written today, we'd probably say, well, we put up your faith and no arrow would come. There'd be no enemy, you know, laying in wait for you. There'd be no challenges because your faith would be so strong that, you know, you, you just remove everybody that, that would want to fight with you by faith. But, but that's not the reality. Trouble's going to come. Arrows are going to come. In fact, these are fiery arrows of the devil that, that try to hit us in life. But then we put up our shield of faith and we are protected and God extinguishes all of those fiery darts. It says, everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer needs. So Paul had times when things were good. He also had times where, you know, things were, were really bad and, 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 you know, moments when everyone loved him again, moments when everyone hated him. But, but watch this next statement. And now for the first time, I want you to really get the context of this verse. This is really my favorite verse in, in all the Bible. It says this, I can do all things, not just a few things. Not just the good things, not just the pleasant things, but also the hard things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, Paul knew how to plug into God. He knew how to lean into God. No matter what the situation was, he, he recognized, if I just plug into the grace of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to be okay. And here's the deal with me. I'm learning as long as God gives me strength, it doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter what, what people do to me. I'm good as long as I can tap in to him. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my Distress. See, real friends don't just watch your distress. They, they feel it, and, and, and they try to, to help. So the Philippians didn't just hear a report, you know, Paul's in trouble. Oh, he's in jail again. And they're like, yeah, this guy's always in trouble. No, when they heard the report, they, they began to pray for him and actually make plans to come to him and assist him. You know, true friends are not just those who are close, but those who, who feel your pain. You see, Judas was close to Jesus in proximity. The problem was he wasn't sympathetic. He didn't feel Christ's pain. And if you really love somebody, you feel what folks are going through. And, and sometimes I have found out who my friends were in moments where I was hurting. And, and you know, I, I found that I was great for them as long as everything was good and I was adding a whole lot of value. But the moment that I found myself in need, you know, it was like, well, you know what, I'm going to move on to the next and uh, they, they didn't really feel where I was coming from. And, and real friendship is, again, the ability to connect and, and feel one for another, pray and pull one for another. And uh, this was what the Philippians 
were friends of Paul. This is really a friendship letter. Others have called it a partnership letter because these were guys that loved him from his heart. And he talks about more intimate details in this letter than, than most of the letters because these guys were his friends. And, and when you love somebody from the heart, there's a level of transparency. He said, nevertheless, you've done well uh, that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church— so this, this church is unique, shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So early on, before Paul was a household name, before Paul was celebrated, it was this church that supported him. And you got to remember those who helped you get to, to where you are today. And Paul didn't forget this. He, he remembered who was faithful to him in the past. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once again, once and again for my necessity. So this wasn't just a one-time thing with the Philippians. This, this was their character. And you've heard this said, watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. So this was the character of this church. This was the habit of this church. Watch your character because it impacts your destiny. In verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift. This is not about stuff. I'm beyond that at this point in my life. Um, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Now, here's what I wanted to say to you today, Grace. Last Sunday, after service, we had a, an after-service meeting. We, we do this every week uh, with, with the staff. And when Anna gave me the news, it, it almost brought me to tears. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody's concerned about themselves. Everybody's concerned about, you know, what's going to happen with their children. People are concerned about what's going on with their, their, their older parents. And last Sunday, all we did is, is got, real briefly, it wasn't even a, a heavy mention. We mentioned the need of Potomac High School right, right down the street. And despite the fact that we're not physically meeting, we can't see each other face to face, by the time I had my 1230, I'm sorry, my 1145 meeting, um, Anna told me that already $2,700 had come in to help the high schools. Why is this important? Because what's happening in, in homes today is, you know, a, a family may have four children and they might have one computer. Maybe they might have two computers. But the challenge is if all the kids are doing their, their schoolwork on computers, you know, that, that creates problems and tensions in the home, and it makes it harder for the kids to learn. And I didn't even go into all that with, with, with you guys. And by Wednesday, it was over 4,000. And Friday, uh, it was up to 7,600. And I, I don't have a report yet for what has come in this morning. But what I want to tell you is we not only have enough for Potomac High School, we have enough now for Grand Park, Dumfries Elementary, and Potomac Middle. And it was all because of the generosity, the faithfulness, just, just your heart. And, and it matters. And I, and I just want to salute you uh, for your faithfulness in this regard. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So what we see here is that your faithfulness last week, the Philippians' faithfulness a couple thousand years ago, was all credited to their spiritual account, meaning when you give, it never leaves your life. It just goes into your future. 
And, and this was the case with all of these individuals. There is a spiritual bank account. And when we do righteous deeds, things that are, are done in, 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 in obedience and out of a right heart, in heaven, God, God just adds numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers. And a lot of us are looking at our bank account, but we haven't spent a lot of time looking at our spiritual account. But in, in this case, Paul was like, hey, guys, you don't really realize what you did. Spiritually, you, you, you have uh, uh, empowered yourself and actually set yourself up for a reward that you probably have not quite imagined. You think you were just loving on me, but God was paying attention, and God doesn't miss a beat. I mean, God is an outstanding accountant, and every little thing that you did to be a blessing to me, those seven weeks of your journey, you know, that, that Epaphroditus took to get to me, to give me this gift. I mean, and the fact that y'all prayed for him. Matter of fact, Epaphroditus got sick on the journey, and you did all that for me. God does not miss. God does not overlook. God does not forget your labor of love. It matters to God, and it is a big deal. It says, not that I seek the gift. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And then he goes on to say, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full emotionally now and, and physically. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Again, these, these folks were like no other church. And then watch what he calls it. And, you know, what was also amazing in this season, every week, We've been very intentional about making sure that we've given to the community. Over the last uh, few months, uh, we have given to over 15 uh, essential community-serving organizations. And I didn't receive one email complaining, well, Bishop, why are you spending all that money, you know, in, in the community? Why are you doing all that when, when we got we to gotta make sure that we're okay because we don't know what's going to happen, you know, with the church. We're not meeting, and, and you just need to be more cautious. I didn't hear, I didn't receive not one email, but all because I can't explain it, and, and I, I wish I could tell other pastors how to, to accomplish this. I don't have a formula, but it's amazing the, the generosity and the graciousness that God has put in the heart of his people here. And I commend you and salute you. And you know, guys know when I get upset with you, I tell you. But today, I, I just want to celebrate you. And I want to say I, I, I'm awed and, and I am, am incredibly blessed by your, your, your faithfulness and your heart to represent and to get behind the testimony of Jesus in our neighborhoods, community, our nation, in our world. But watch what he, he says or he calls this gift. He says it's a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He likened their giving, which also would include our giving today, this is all New Testament giving, to Old Testament sacrifices. And you have to remember that when they offered bull and goats, bull is beef, goat is lamb. Now, I'm sorry, vegans and, and all that, but nothing smells as good as a steak on the grill. So those sacrifices had an aroma about them. And I just want to tell you, Grace Church, right now we smell good to God. Your faithfulness has impacted the way you smell in the spiritual realm. He said, a sweet-smelling 
aroma. Now, some scholars would dig into this, and, and they would say, well, this is, is probably primarily applied to the incense offering. I think it's applied to both, and, and there is some truth in that. But here's the deal with the incense offering. If you got close enough to the incense, it not only got into the air, it got into your hair, it got into your clothes, and it got into your skin. So after you left the presence of the incense, you would carry it into whatever environment you went. And your graciousness, you may not have noticed it, but your graciousness has created a scent about you that you carry into every environment that you step into, whether it's the smell of life or the smell of death. In this case, it is the smell of life. And then he called it an acceptable, watch this, an acceptable, a what? Acceptable sacrifice. So we see here that God accepts our resources— not just the intentions of our heart, but also our resources combined with that as a form of worship. So when you really love God with your heart, it will show up in your hands. And then he says, it's acceptable, but on top of that he says, well-pleasing to God. It makes God happy when we act like him. You see, God so loved the world that he gave. And we love enough to give. God's like, there goes my little boy. There goes my little girl. Just like daddy. And, and it pleases and warms his heart. And ultimately, all we want to do here at Grace Church is make God famous. All we want to do here at Grace Church is, is, is help people know the love and the grace and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we want, Jesus asked us to pray this way. At, at the very beginning of the prayer, he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And our goal is to cause his name to be respected once again in the earth, that, that we're not just takers, we are contributors. We want to add to what's happening in culture and, and the community and, and not just be beneficiaries. And, and, and I just love what the Lord is doing here. But now we're about to get to the main scripture focus here today, verse 19. And after speaking of, of how well-pleased God was, watch what he says. And my God shall supply all your need, whether you need a, a little or whether you need a lot. It's not dependent on the size of your need, but the size of our God. You see, when God is behind you, it really doesn't matter who's in front of you. And my God, based on your faithfulness to me, based on your giving, based on the fact you've done something that was acceptable to the Father. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.